or just get them whenever we uh, leave tonight as well. Uh, tonight we are looking at, we're, we're still looking at the beginning of the world, that's the division of Genesis that we're in, uh, but we're looking at the days of creation this week. Last week we looked at the work of creation, and uh, we talked about some things there, uh, but this week we're going to uh, be looking at the days. Uh, like I said there, we dispelled some theories last week and tried to gain a, a fresh perspective of the creation account uh, of things that, that took place, uh, you know, in Genesis uh, verses Genesis chapter one verses one and two. Uh, but anyway, what we decided last week is to let God's word be the authority for our beliefs about creation. Like I said, there's there's many beliefs about creation, and even if we just stick within the realm of, uh, of Christians and what they believe about creation, uh, you know, if we just stay there, there's all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of ideas of, of how this happened and what this means and all kinds of theories that, uh, that revolve around the creation account. Uh, but, but what we need to do is we need to flush all that out, okay? We, we can look at it and, and look at it as a possibility or some maybes, uh, but things that are not written in God's Word, we just need to look at it as speculation or as, like I said, possibilities. But when we study the Genesis account, when we study the account of creation, uh, what I want us to do in this study is just simply look at what God's Word says about the creation. And we'll just take it at face value. So let's continue our study tonight uh, with that same resolve. All right, now what we're going to study first are the days of creation. All right, and we're going to go from the first day all the way through uh, the sixth day. Before we do that, I do want us to, uh, to go to the Lord uh, once again in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in to day one. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. God, I pray for your help uh, with me tonight. Guide me and direct me to what I need to say. Uh, Lord, use this lesson for your honor and glory. Help us to understand more about you. Help us learn more about uh, your creation and what that means for us. We thank you, God, for uh, the ability and the freedom that we have to have this study tonight and to meet together. And uh, we just pray that as we take advantage of that freedom, that you'd help us also uh, just to, to give our attention and uh, to give our, our hearts and lives to you, uh, Lord. We thank you so much for every blessing, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll start out with, uh, with day one. As we said, uh, the creation took place in six literal days. And so uh, we're going to start out with day one. Now, day one, what we find that was created on day one was light. And we find that in verses 3 through 5. So let's go ahead and read those verses. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right. Now, the source of this light uh, is still a mystery. If you notice, it says in the beginning, uh, you know, God created heaven and the earth. It tells us all that. Then it says on the first day uh, that he created light, that uh, God said, let there be light. But as it's already been pointed out last week, the sun and the moon and the stars were not created until another day. I think, what, it was the fourth day, something like that, is when uh, the sun and moon and stars were created. And so we, we don't have those there yet, uh, as according to what Genesis says. Those are not uh, in existence yet, but still yet we have light. Okay, So God says, let there be light, and from somewhere this light uh, shone. Now there are many possibilities of what this could have been, and uh, if Miss Nancy was here, uh, she has taught creation science for, for years and years and years, 
and uh, she has a lot of knowledge when it comes to creation science, so I kind of wish she was here to, to give us some thoughts on that. Uh, but there's lots of possibilities of what could have happened. Some even suggest that God was the direct source of the light uh, there in, in these verses. As a matter of fact, if you'll turn over just real quick, we're not going to do a lot of flipping around tonight, uh, but if you'll just turn over real quick to Revelation, the very last chapter, What we're looking at here, before we, we get there, let's see what verse that was again, verse 5. What we're getting at here is, uh, this is after the tribulation, this is after the millennial reign, this is at the point in time when, when all time is going to pass away and God and His people are going to enter into eternity together. Uh, all tears are going to be wiped away, all that, all that stuff, we're, we're entering into eternity, alright, and that's it. And it says there in verse 5, it says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Alright? So here we have in Revelation, we have at the very end, after, after everything's gone, this physical world that, we're, that we know now has passed away, all that's done, it says there will be no need for the sun uh, to give light at all, because who's going to give the light? The Lord will, right? The Lord will be the light. All right? And what we find here is, uh, here we are, we're at the beginning. Remember, in the beginning, God, and He created. First of all, He creates light, okay? So somehow He's giving off light. And, uh, and so that makes sense to me, you know, uh, to suggest that God was the direct source of the light uh, found there on day one. There may be other explanations for it, but uh, like I said, that, that makes plenty of sense to me. Now, whatever the light was, notice that the darkness was upon the face of the waters. In verse 2, uh, what we find there is it says, uh, and the earth was without form and void. Remember when we talked about that last week? Uh, it had you know, no, no form to it like we see now. It was void. It was empty. It says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So a way for us to picture it, of course the earth was round. You know, and it's, When we say it had no form, it doesn't mean it had no shape at all. Uh, of course, the earth was round, uh, but in it, it was just like a great big round bowl of soup, just a watery mess, all right? And it was dark. It says darkness was upon the face of the deep, the face of the waters is what the deep will be referring to there. So we have this, this earth that is complete without form, it's without void, it's just a big watery, uh, you know, circle there. And, and so what we see is that God calls light out. All right, and so from the light, it shines light onto this darkness that's on the face of the deep, and now we have a separation there. We have, uh, we have light and we have darkness. Now, the light was called what? Day, and the, and the dark was called night. Of course, we, we know that because we still do the same thing, night and day. All right, we find that in verse 5. Uh, it says there, uh, And God called the light day, and the darkness called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Any questions on, on day one from anybody? Comments on day one? All right. Let's look at day two. Day two, we have the creation of the firmament. And remember, we talked about uh, the first three days were used to form the earth. The, the last three days were used to fill the earth. So we're still in that process of forming the earth. All right, so we have light. That, that helps to start uh, giving some form to the earth. We have day and night, so things are shaping up. Now we have the firmament in verses 6 through 8. Let's read that. It says, And God said, 
Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Anybody like to explain those verses? He divided the waters from the waters and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to do the best I can. The word uh, firmament here that we find uh, there in, in those verses could also be translated as expanse and what it refers is to the atmosphere around the earth. Uh, what we have here is God is, uh, you know, like I said, the, the earth was just, uh, the, the appearance of it or the form of it was just being covered with water. Okay, and uh, so it appears that the whole thing was just filled with water. And so God makes a separation, and I've even heard that at the, in the beginning, whenever uh, God made this firmament, which we call the sky, of course, when he made that firmament, there was a, like a canopy of water uh, that was up, you know, in the sky, like a canopy up there. And, uh, you know, for several years, well, even until Noah's day, it, it doesn't appear that it even rained, you know, until Noah's day. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, there's water gushing up from the earth, there's, there's water falling from the heavens and things like that. And, uh, and so, you, you know, it's been explained that that canopy of water, when they separated the water, you have air between it, you have a canopy of water above and you have the seas beneath, and that canopy would have provided protection, it would have sustained life. Uh, things would have been able to live a lot longer than they do now. That's why you see people, you know, if that's true, that's why you, you saw people living up to 900 some odd years old. Uh, which now, you know, that, that all that is broken up there, and they're even talking about there being a hole in the ozone layer, you know, and stuff like that. And so, you know, we have all that kind of stuff going on. But nevertheless, uh, what God did there is He separated, like I said, separated the waters from the water. So He put a space between the sea and the, uh, the top of the atmosphere there, which we uh, call the sky, uh, which we know isn't just straight up. I mean, it's all around, it's all around the world, completely around. The firmament was called uh, heaven, and like I said, we call it sky. That's probably as clear as much. Anybody with a question or anything on that? On day two, on the firmament. Nobody? All right. Day three, dry land. I'm just going to assume you know what I'm talking about. Uh, day 3, dry land, verses 9 through 13. It says, And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding herb seed, and let the fruit tree uh, yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the Lord brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. All right, now there was obviously, uh, when we talk about the earth being filled with water, uh, you know, now God has separated uh, the water that was there. We have the sky now, and uh, that space of air between, and we have the water but there's no land. There's no, nothing to walk around on for, for anything. And, uh, and so we just have this, this great big sea across the entire uh, planet. And so what God does is he calls out the dry land. 
Uh, it appears that God caused the ground to be raised in some places and lowered in others. And so there it was. It was just completely full of water. But all of a sudden, God says, you know, let the dry land uh, appear and all that. And so the land begins to shift and begins to, to take form and shape. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we have what we, you know, when we look at a globe, we have what uh, we look at as being the nations. And, of course, as the earth rises up and all those different things, you also have water uh, falling into place within the land mass. Uh, and that, that forms our, our lakes and, and things like that. And, of course, uh, all the water around the land are, are the seas, like it talks about there in those verses. Brother Hall was talking about the other day, talking about the Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if the Grand Canyon was a product of this or if it was a product of the flood. Uh, you know, whenever the flood took place, the waters receded. You know, it rained for all that time and stayed on the earth. They receded very quickly, and uh, so you know it's believed that the uh, the flood could have cut a lot of those things into place. But it's very very likely as well that you know as God began to to call these things, you know, call the land forth, and, and things begin to shift and all that, uh, that a lot of the mountains or uh, or you know lakes and things like that that we see now, you know, could very well have been formed at that time. Notice that the plant life also began to appear once the dry land was formed. And um, so we have the beginning of plant life here on day three as well. Any comments or questions on day three? Now notice I'm saying maybe about some of this stuff, okay? But uh, nevertheless, what we do see is God says that, or the Word says that He called forth uh, the dry land. All right, day four, we have the sun, moon, and stars in verses 14 through 19. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now we find in verse 14 it says, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. So these lights uh, served as uh, several different purposes. Uh, they served to give light to the earth uh, they served to help out with the seasons of the earth uh, and, and, of course, to count the days and the years. Now, something interesting to, uh, to take note of there, it says, let the sun and the moon and all that, let them be for days and for years. But did time already start? Has time already begun? Well, how will we have day one and day two and day three without time, Right? And so we've already got light shining from the earth. We've already got day and night. We've already got the earth rotating and, and doing all that. But it's kind of like God is, this is the way I'm seeing it, you know, as, as I was thinking about it. It's kind of like God holding the light on the earth. You know, he's providing all the light that the earth needs. And, uh, and you know, he's, he's kind of holding that everything steady. And then he creates the sun and the moon for stars. And he says, here, y'all take over. All right? And so the days have still been going. The light has still been on the earth. But now the sun and the, and the moon and all that, uh, they begin to take over, giving uh, light to the earth. Of course, the sun is the one uh, that, that you know, helps us count the days and the night. The moon gives light in the, in the nighttime and all that kind of stuff. But 
you know, that, that's kind of how I pictured it, is that all those things were already in motion, but he went ahead and, uh, and created the sun and the moon and, and all that to, to help out or to, to take their positions uh, in, in the universe. Does that make sense? Y'all aren't wondering what I ate for lunch or anything like that? Okay. It's amazing to study how the, uh, the sun and the moon contribute to our planet. And, you know, I don't have time to talk about all of that right now, but, you know, the sun itself, just the sun does so much for our planet. You know, and, uh, and, and then, of course, the moon, uh, I, I believe, you know, it has something to do with the tides, and, uh, and I think the moon helps out with the seasons as well. You know, it, it has something to do with that. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember all the stuff, but uh, it is amazing to study uh, how much they have to do with all that. And even the other planets, you know, that are, that are in our solar system and all that. Did you say something, Brother Hall? Oh, trying to be funny? Okay. I also find it interesting that God didn't start with the universe and zoom in. He started with the earth and panned out. Now, here I, I want to explain what I mean by that. You know, sometimes I've wondered when I think about how big the universe is. You know, they talk about our Milky Way galaxy being... I mean, just huge, huge. But then, with somehow they know all these other galaxies are out there as well. They've been able to pan out, and it seems as though our Milky Way galaxy is actually small compared to other galaxies that are out there. And so, I mean, the universe, as far as they've been able to dig out and see, I mean, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going, and, uh, and it's huge. The universe is humongous. And so, you know, of course those questions come up. Well, why would, it, why would God create an entire universe, you know, that, that's so big and there being no other life forms anywhere else? Why, why would his main focus be on this little bitty planet, you know, here in the Milky Way galaxy? Uh, with, with the universe as big as it is, why would God care about us? You know, and all those questions I know come up when we try to reason throughout all that. And so if we, if we look at it from the universe being so big, and what is Earth compared to all that, it makes us seem small and insignificant. And, you know, it makes us, you know, maybe not us, but people. It makes people wonder, you know, how could God focus any attention on us? Why, why would we be important in the scheme of everything? And so when we look at it as, uh, as Earth being uh, from the universe zoomed in, then it makes us look very, very small. But if we look at it the way the Scripture tells us here, that He created the Earth. He created the Earth. And His focus was on the creation of Earth. And from there He made the sun and the moon and the stars. We see the focus more on Earth panned out to the universe. The universe is here for us. Maybe God knew they were going to build that telescope, right? And he said, well, I'll give them something to look at when they do. But, but we're, we're why the universe exists. I mean, it's for God. Everything's for God, right? But, but we are his special creation, that makes us feel a little bit more significant, doesn't it? Gives us a little bit more meaning to life and a little bit more understanding as why there doesn't have to be anything else out there. So you ask the question, why such a vast universe for one little small, tiny planet? Small world after all, right? Why such a big universe? Well, the answer to that, I think, is why not? He's a big God and can do whatever he wants. 
But his word, his word leads us to believe that earth was the focus and, uh, and man was the focus of, of earth. You know, it was, it was all created for him and, and for us to be able to enjoy our relationship. Any questions or comments on day four? All right, let's look at day five. Uh, the fish and the fowl. He took care of the, uh, the crappie fishers and the duck hunters, right? All right, verses 20 through 23, it says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath light, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great wells, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now the fish that I, that I mentioned here is including all marine life. So when, when he talks about you know, bringing forth every living creature of the water, it, just, it includes all marine life on earth uh, was made on day five. And not only that, but uh, also the, uh, the birds were made as well on that day. Now notice that with the creation of animals also comes the classifications of those animals. Notice that uh, as he talks about all the different fish and the birds and all that, he, he keeps saying, after their kind. After their kind. Alright, so whales have a kind. Crappie have a kind, right? You know, all, all the, they had a, each one had its own kind. And, uh, and so he made them all after their own kind. That classification of those animals. Uh, if I remember, I'll talk about that here in just a little bit more in a minute. Anything on day five at all? Now, I'm going to skip over one, and then you're going to say, hey, wait, you didn't ask me if I had anything to say. All right, day six is land animals and humans, verses 24 through 26. Let's go ahead and read that. It's saying, God said, let the earth bring forth living creature after his kind, cattle and creepeth thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. You see that word kind continue to come up? And God saw that it was good. And what do you think the word kind means? Maybe we have another word for that today. Species. Right? Exactly. So he made them all after their own species. Alright, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so God made man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them now when it talks about it, it gives a couple different classifications there it, gives, it talks about cattle it talks about creepy things and it talks about the beasts of the earth if you look at verses 24 and 25 the cattle, uh, you know, we don't re need to read that to understand that he made a whole bunch of cows, okay? So the, the cattle, uh, of course, cat cows would fit into that, uh, but the cattle is talking about any kind of domesticated animals, which would include what? Horses, cows, pelicans, donkeys, donkeys. Okay, donkey. Yeah, donkey. That would be one. Chicken. Chicken. Yeah, chicken's a little bit fat. <laughs> what was another very important animal in Bible days? 
sheep, goats, herd animals, things like that. You know, funny enough, I wonder if dogs were included in all that. I don't think originally they were domesticated, but they might have been. Uh, creeping things uh, would, would include reptiles, uh, you know, our, our cockroaches that we have running around the house, things like that. Other uh, crawling things, all those creeping things uh, were made on the same day. And then it says the beasts of the earth, and that includes the wild animals. So I wanted you to see the distinction between uh, the cattle is talking about domesticated animals, and the beasts of the earth are all the wild animals. So, you know, there are animals that are not meant to be domesticated, right? Now, a horse can be wild, and it can stay wild the rest of its life, and it'll be okay with it, right? But you can also tame a horse, and it becomes domestic, right? Uh, same with donkeys and, and you know, any, any of those animals. I mean, they could either be wild or not. But the domesticated ones can be domesticated. But then we have those geniuses out there that have, like, lions in their backyard and stuff like that. That's not a smart idea because why? They're, they're wild animals. They're, they're beasts. They're not made to, uh, to be domestic. And so I, I want you to see that distinction between the two. All right? Now, as we talk about uh, all these things being created after their kind, I may be getting ahead of myself, but if so, we'll just skip over it when I get to it. Um, when it talks about all these things being made after their kind, after their uh, species, um, there's something that's also called, and nobody's throwing anything at me when I say that, there's something called macroevolution. Anybody know what macroevolution is? All right, I see, I see a couple of you nodding your heads. Macroevolution is where, like, let's say, for instance, that God made a dog, all right? Uh, whether it was cattle or, or, or beasts of the earth, uh, he makes dogs, okay? Now, when he made a dog, I don't know that he made a, uh, a greyhound and a great dane and a koala and all those other kinds of things. He probably just made something that's a canine, you know? But throughout the years, you know, as, as uh, they breed it and as have been bred and things like that, we have them, uh, you know, becoming different kinds of dogs within their kind. They're still dogs, right? And they still, uh, you know, they can still reproduce with, with one another. Uh, they're still all that same species, but, you know, there's those distinctions, there's those differences between all the different dogs. Same with cats. You have all kinds of different kinds of cats. And even with sheep and cows, I mean, uh, you know, there's all kinds of those different, uh, you know, little, like we said, macroevolutions within the, uh, in the species. Not that I'm teaching evolution. We're not talking about the animals evolving. We're just talking about the fact that they have changed uh, throughout the years as they've been uh, bred and things like that. And so you have those kinds of things, but every one of those, they, they have their own kind. So God made them all after their own species. Does that make sense? Nobody's mad at me for saying the word macroevolution, are they? All right. I hope not. And then, of course, the, the last, the crown of God's creation uh, was humans, which would be the caretakers of all living things. When we look in, in verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And notice what he says, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, cattle, over all the earth, which would include plant life, everything on the earth, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image God created he him, male and female created he them. And so we find that man was put in charge. He was put as a caretaker over everything that God had just created. 
And, uh, and so we are God's managers. We are, uh, we'll get into that more later, uh, not in this lesson. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about being made in the image of God. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that more, but uh, we are made as His representatives, as His, uh, you know, people that resemble Him and represent Him here on the earth. So where God is the God and He's the master of everything, uh, we are kind of His caretakers over His creation. And, uh, and that's what we find that human beings are. Now notice that it says that God made all the animals, He created all those animals, and then He made man. Contrary to popular belief, we are not animals. Okay? And uh, so keep that in mind. We may be mammals, but we're not animals. Alright? We might act like them sometimes, but we're not. Now, I want you to notice that there's a pattern for each day. We could go back through and you could look at every single one and uh, you're going to find a pattern for day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, and day six. Uh, first thing we see is God's Word. All right? God said, let there be whatever. All right? So we see God's Word. We see God's creation. He says, let there be light. All right? God's creation. There was light. It happened. Exactly like He said. And then we have God's evaluation. After God said it, after God created it, then it said what? He saw that it was good. Every single time, God said, God created, and God evaluated uh, over all the creation. So I just wanted you to see that pattern that we have for each day. All right, now, let's talk about the beginnings. Uh, we said that the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. There are lots of beginnings that we find here in this book, uh, don't worry, we don't have very far to go, uh, but there are lots of beginnings in this book. That's how we divided the entire book of Genesis. Uh, so I want you to see some of the beginnings here in this chapter. Uh, first of all, we have the beginning of light. Okay, we find that uh, in, this, in these verses. We have the beginning of time. When did time begin? Do what? In the beginning, right. All right, day one, time again, right? Uh, we have the beginning of seasons. Okay? We have the beginning of life that took place as well. And we have the beginning of human responsibility. And those are just a few. Can you think of any other, um, any other beginnings that, that we find there in those verses? Anybody? Absolutely. Any others? All right, 
So I just thought we would, uh, you know, pay attention to that because, like we said, I mean, that's what Genesis is. It's in the beginning. Uh, that's what the the original book title for uh, this book was was in the beginning, and it's what the entire book is about. The, the beginnings of all these different things. So we find many beginnings here in these verses. Now I want to talk just for a little bit on separation. Okay, and you'll see what I mean when when I get there. One subject that continues to arise throughout the creation account that we've read is God's work of separation. We find that he separated the light from darkness in verse 4. You notice that? He divided the light from darkness, separated him. All right, we see that he separated the sky from water in verses 6 through 7. All right, again, we see separation. He separated the day from night in verse 14. He separated land from water. Now, it doesn't say that he divided the land from water. The first three that I said are, are all things that it says. He divided this or that. Uh, but we see that uh, just in the verse itself, we can see where that separation took place, the land from the water. We see that he separated animals uh, by what? By their kinds, by their species, exactly. Uh, we see that he separated man from animals. All right, now notice this. All the animals, all the birds, all the fish, all every. Every creeping thing on the earth, God said, let them exist. And they existed. All right? But then when it comes to man, he does something different. He separates them out from the rest, and he comes down himself, and he forms man from the dust of the ground. Something different. Something separate. Distinct from the rest. All right? So we find separation through all this. We even see that he separated the seventh day. If you will, uh, look in chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3, just very quickly there. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in that he had rested from all his work which God created and made. The word sanctify means to separate or to set apart from something. And so we find that even that seventh day was separated or, or, uh, or sanctified from the rest of the week. So all through the creation we find him separating. It's, a, it's an act of separating one thing from another. Now we can get so caught up in the details. You know, we, we've talked about some of the maybes and the possibilities and you know, even, even though I'm trying to stick closer to the Word, you know, we still discuss some of those possibilities and, and cool things that could have happened during all that. But we can get so caught up in the details of what God did and, and, and what this might have been and what this might have been and all this other stuff that we often miss the spiritual application that's there. God's work of separation was indicative of His holiness and it was a reminder to Israel that they had been separated from all other nations and sanctified as a holy nation to God. So again, let me, let me say what I just said. Uh, God's work of separating was first of all to show that He also is separate. That He is separate from anything that is sinful, anything that is carnal or that defines or defiles, excuse me. He, he is completely separate. He is holy. The word holy and sanctified both mean to be set apart or to be separated. And so uh, through, through the, the word that we have here, these, uh, these Israel readers, or Israeli readers, Hebrew readers, I guess I should say, as they read through the creation account, they see where God separated this from this, and God separated one thing from another, and, uh, and they can get the picture that God is a holy God. He is a separated God. 
And not only that, but a, a reminder that they as a nation had also been separated from all other nations to be a holy nation to Him. Both the words holy and sanctified, like I said, mean to be separated or set apart. So the same God that separated His creation had separated them to Himself for a purpose. Does that make sense? Can we think about that? Alright? So this was a testimony to them uh, of what God had done for them as a nation um, as well. Now the same is true for God's people today. And I want to bring this down to us. I think it's important for us not to only see how it applied to Israel, uh, to the people who originally received this book, but also how it applies to us as we read it today. You see, through salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God has separated us from the world. He's called us out. He's made us different. We are to be different. We're to be distinct from all others. And we are a holy people. I want you to consider the following verses. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now what was the principle that he was teaching there? He was saying you were once darkness, just as the world once was dark. And I put light upon it. I separated those out. He says you were once darkness, but now you are light. You've been separated. Walk. Live. Obey. Conduct yourselves as children of light. 2 Corinthians 6.14 it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? See the comparison there again? 1 Peter 1.15-16 1, says, But as he that which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which means behavior. He says, Because it is written, Be ye holy. What does holy mean again? What does holy mean? I've said it at least twice. What? Set apart or separated. Right. Both of those. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be a set apart people, because I too am set apart. Second Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love what Paul says there. Paul just had, he had a way with words. And of course we know that it was all spirit-led, but, but Paul still had his own little twist as to how he put things. And I love how he brought this out. He says, the same God, same God, that called light from darkness has given you His light. The glorious gospel of Christ to shine to, shine to a, a world that is in darkness. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Light and darkness, you see, cannot dwell together. When I walked in today, uh, I walked into the sanctuary. Anybody ever walked in the sanctuary without the lights on? It's dark. I've gotten good enough that I can actually walk through here without banging myself a couple of times uh, to go back through there. And I can generally walk around back there without any lights on. I've got a lot of practice at it, but it's pretty hard to do. When you walk in here, it is dark. There's no light. But when we turn the light on, where's the darkness? They can't mingle together. 
They, they can't be together. They can't act together. And so the principle is, is, since light and darkness can't go together, then us and worldliness are not supposed to be able to go together either. We're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be different. They have to remain separated. In creation, God dispelled darkness with the creation of light. And God has chosen to bring light to a world of darkness through His Word in you. Matthew 5, verse 14. What does that say, anybody? It says, You are the light of the world. Why does the world need light? Because it's in darkness. But God has chosen you to be a light in a world that uh, is lost without Him, in a world that is blind to His knowledge and His truth. Ye are the light of the world. Creation is not only a revelation of what is, but it's a reminder of who we are. Remember that the same God whose mighty voice brought existence to the universe has brought life to your soul. We're not here by accident. We're made on purpose, we're here on purpose, and we're here for a purpose. And we need to remember that. We're not accidents. We didn't just happen to get here. We're here on purpose, and we're here for a purpose. Our purpose is to love God and light the world. That's what we're here for. Love God and light the world. All right, that's all I have tonight. Any questions, comments on our study this evening? You know, I haven't been very talkative so far tonight, so anybody with anything at all? Brother Hall, you always got something to say. Not tonight. Anybody? All right. Well, thank you for your attention. Uh, thank you for the, the input that was given tonight. And uh, we'll be looking forward to getting over to uh, Genesis. We're still going to be staying in Genesis chapter 1, but we're going to be looking at uh, verse 26 and 27, talking about God uh, being made, or, or God making us in His own image. So that's what we're studying. If you want to be reading and thinking about that, before next week, then uh, please do so. Any word before we dismiss tonight?